you're listening to Shoot the Hostage. I'm Sarah. And I'm Dan. We're a movie-obsessed couple that delves into a different film each week based around a theme. This season the theme is Aliens, and we're covering eight extraterrestrial-themed movies. Shoot the Hostage contains explicit language and mature content, as well as major spoilers for the chosen film. We really hope you enjoy listening and stick around. Sarah? Yes, Dan. Are you familiar with a filmmaker called Jordan Peele? Not personally, but I am quite a big fan of his work. So you've heard of him? Yes. Well, he directed a movie called Nope, which came out in 2022. And I hope you've seen it, because that's what we're talking about. I have. I've seen it twice. Twice. Second time for me as well. How fortuitous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, the film that Logan Paul didn't understand very much. <laughs> Shocking. I mean, I, when we watched this at the cinema last year, I did come out going, scratching my head a bit, going, what have I just watched? <laughs> um, so I, I, at the time I was kind of like, well, he's got some points. But no. I think I'm just not very bright, a lot like Logan Paul. If Logan Paul ever makes a good point, it's by accident, I can assure you. <laughs> the only time that Logan Paul should be on screen if someone's knocked him out in that <laughs> fighting ring that he does sometimes. Yeah, yeah, legally. Yeah. With signed consent, yeah. obviously. So Jordan Peele, I was introduced to Jordan Peele via the movie Keanu. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that John Wick parody. Um. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't, well, yeah. I, it's I, called Keanu. <laughs> I know. I know. I just thought he liked Keanu Reeves. I hadn't thought about it that way, actually. Cause that, but that's about a cat. Yeah. So it's completely different. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> But that's kind of what I knew him from. Obviously, Key and Peele, sketch show, yep. not something that was ever on my radar, really. Okay. But then he, the guy that was in that, the main guy, he decided to write and direct one of the greatest horror movies ever made, which is called- Oscar winning. Get Out. No less. Yeah. And which is just, I, I love that movie. I think it's so rewatchable. Mm-hmm. And it's tricky because he's made three proper movies now, hasn't he? <laughs> He's made, he's made three actual, like, bangers yeah. of movies. And I just wonder, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but mm-hmm. I just wonder where he's going to go at, like, and what else is he's going to make. Who knows? I really, really hope, hand on heart, that he stays in the horror genre because I think he's yeah. very talented within it. But who knows? Yeah, I wouldn't mind him exploring other genres. I think that could be quite fun. So the, the, the budget for this was $68 million. Wow. Which I thought was cheap. Really cheap. For considering how this movie looks. Like we we both kind of commented on that within minutes of the second watch. Mm. Just like, God, he he knows how to make a beautiful looking film. Yeah. At which point I think you mentioned, is it the DOP or the uh, cinematographer? Yeah, Hoyter Van Hoytema. The first credit that I would have recognized him on was Let the Right One In. Oh, right. Okay. So he worked on that. Oh, um, wow. What was the remake of that called? Uh, Let Me In, I Let believe. Me. That's it. <laughs> I, could, I always worried that I've accidentally said the remake instead of the original. But yeah, right. he was he was the DP on that. Oh, brilliant. And he's just done a, a bunch of stuff since then. He, he did The Fighter, Her, Interstellar with Christopher Nolan. Your favourite, yeah? Yeah, I think that's an incredible movie and it looks spectacular. It does, yeah. He worked on Spectre, which... Is a good-looking movie, but not a very good one. But it looks great, and that's probably down to him. Dunkirk, which looks amazing, obviously. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's 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 okay. I think it's technically a masterpiece, but doesn't <laughs> entirely work for me, narratively speaking. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference between a masterpiece of cinema and something you want to watch. Yes, exactly. Ad Astra. Which again, okay. I, I really, really liked that movie and it looks amazing. Tenet and Oppenheimer. So a lot of Chris Nolan movies yeah. in there. And he seems to have enjoyed quite a lot of success with these. And I think his collaboration with Jordan Peele on this is just incredible. I think what mm. they achieved with, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the nighttime scenes and the landscape yeah. and the big open spaces is just what he, they invented a bit of kit to just to get the shots 
to look the way that they did. Which is wild. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah, it's mad. Um, I just This is going to be an hour of us just going, this fucking movie's great, isn't it? <laughs> Largely, yeah. And isn't Jordan Peele, like, great? Yes. Yeah, that's... There I, we go. I'm going to do that. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Cast-wise, Daniel Kaluuya. So, again, a collaborator bringing him back from Get Out, which he's fantastic in, but quite a different performance. Can I say... Daniel Kaluuya might be the best actor of his generation. Is that saying too much? You can say that. I think he's the best actor of his generation. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I he he's he's very different in this movie. I think in Nope, yeah. what he is in a lot of movies. He's kind of given a lot less on the page to do, but that means that he has to be more subtle. Oh my and god. I think the- that he can say so much with just his eyes. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It blows me away. Yeah. And I, having, having, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm so, I just want to enthuse about Daniel Kaluuya for a second. Go for Because I think That's... he's fucking brilliant. Um, but having seen him gone from this like teenage oik in Psychoville, which was what the League oh. of Gentlemen guys did afterwards. Right. Really, really different to the sort of roles he's doing now to things like Sicario mm. And Judas and the Black Messiah and Widows is one I always come back to because holy shit, he fucking terrified me in Widows. Yeah. I think it was the first time I'd seen him play a villain and he was so good. Like he has got such range. You've sold me. He is the best actor. Right? Just just from when you, when you mentioned Widows there, I've got that written down, but I couldn't really remember his performance in the movie. Oh my God. And that's I'm just getting chills my, now. Yeah. Oh, that's just because my memory is a bit shit. Um, but yeah, now you mention it, him in that as the bad guy was just terrifying. Yeah. And the difference between that and um, and all of the other movies you've just Queen mentioned. Queen and Slim and as this, well. And Queen and Slim was fucking great as yeah. well. He seems to, he's, number one, he's really good at his job. Yes. And number two, um, I think his agent deserves a few coins as well because he, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's he, uh, whoever's responsible for him picking the projects that he's a part of, just some really good decisions. Yeah. <laughs> good decisions, good at your job, double thumbs up to Daniel Kaluuya. Yes. <laughs> um, Kiki Palmer is not someone I was familiar with until this movie. Me either, if I'm being honest, but she was fantastic as well. A lot of fun, and their dynamic is really good as yeah. well. It's you can. It's such a sibling relationship where that they just sort of have to tolerate each other. Yeah, it there's felt no real. scenario where these two people would hang out if they weren't related. <laughs> yeah, they would never even meet. They wouldn't even know that each other existed. But they, but at the same time, you can feel the mutual kind of love there for each yeah. other, and that just comes across from both of those performances. I think obviously mm-hmm. a lot in the dialogue and what's on the page, but I think. This movie owes so much to those people. Yeah. Um, Cast-wise as well, we've got uh, Michael Wincott. Yeah. I I can't remember the last time I saw him in something. I'm sure we watched something recently. Yes. Because his voice is the first thing that stands out to me generally. Yes. You said this to me while we were watching the movie the other night. You said, oh, what have we seen him in yeah. lately? And I, as a joke, said Metro, knowing full well that we'd not watched that together. <laughs> Um, but I really, I've just for some reason, I really want to rewatch that. I, I liked that when it came out, but I bet it's rubbish now. <laughs> but while I was researching for the show, I looked through Wincott's filmography and mm-hmm. I realized what we'd seen him in recently. Go on. Alien Resurrection. Oh, fuck. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which, yep. Which is not a good movie. It's not. No. <laughs> no. No, not by any stretch. No, this is, and this is way better, way better. But he was he again. He was really good in this. Yeah. For his role as the cinematographer, and I, I think that both times I've watched this, I've, I kind of thought is the the actual cinematographer Hoyter van Hoytemer, Is there any of his character kind of written into it? I suppose there is in terms of profession anyway, and in terms of getting the the correct shot. Yeah, his um, character name was Antlers Holst, which on the face of it is a ludicrous name. Yeah. Right, but I did read somewhere that it was in reference to Gustav Holst, who is a composer or was a composer. I don't know if he's still alive, actually. So that's where the Holst part comes from. But also, Gustav effectively meant Godstaff, and they were generally topped with deer antlers. Right. So his whole name is kind of in honor of Gustav Holst. Oh, okay. who I'm guessing Jordan Peele must be a fan of. I guess so, and it, that's the thing with this movie in particular. I think more so than any other 
of Peel's movies. They're super detailed and super layered, but this one definitely mm. has... I think you can probably pick any, any element of this movie and drill down into it, and there's detail and kind of a design to it. Yeah, and I would say even even the fun stuff, like just little Easter eggs, like the scissors from Oz being on uh, Stephen Yoon's desk. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice Easter eggs. Speaking of. Stephen Yoon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice segue. He plays Ricky <laughs> Dupe Park. Yeah. Um, always nice to see Stephen Yoon in stuff. Every time I see him, I always think, fair play, man, you needed to get off that show. <laughs> Because it, it, fu- it was fucked <laughs> after the point you fell off that bin. <laughs> like That was the point, I think, when I mentally checked out. I was yeah. like, I can't, no. I no, know what you mean. No more. You, you said, you told me that anyone can die at any point, And then there's this ludicrous point Deus where it's like, machina. oh no, he fell on a thing and then uh. you didn't see it properly. Don't worry, he's not dead. And I fucking hated it. I mean, they... It was weird in that sort of a show, but they definitely wimped out because he was a fan favourite. Yeah, and for they, good reason. He's they, a great actor. They did. But the, 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 the thing that really stuck the nail in a coffin for it is that a few episodes later, he died anyway. <laughs> so it's like, no, just fucking commit to something. Like it's, They teased it and then did it. And it's like, no, you, you wanted to have your cake and eat it. And it fucked me off. Spoilers for a seven-year-old episode of The Walking Dead there. <laughs> oh, fuck that show. I, I went through a point of absolutely loving it. And maybe yeah. that's the last show that I remember being excited, apart from The Last of Us, which was recently. But the last one before that would have been a show that I was really looking forward to coming out week to week and watching the episode, the new episode. And it just fucked me. And I've never gotten over it. <laughs> well, interestingly, Stephen Yeun was also in one of my favourite TV shows of this year, which was Beef. Oh, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and he was... <laughs> Oh, again, always nice to see him in stuff, and he's mm-hmm. always great. Um, Ren Schmidt was Amber Park. A bit of a thankless role. She yes. was barely in it. She was barely in it. I, I had heard that there was a really long cut of this at some point, so I wonder if Ooh. her character had more to do, and maybe we'll dip into some of that, or maybe we won't. Okay. Keith David. Again, blink and you'll miss him. Or mm. blink might be the wrong term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otis Hayward Sr. Terry Notary. Plus the chimp. <laughs> He's the monkey guy. He's the monkey man. The monkey man. Yeah. Was, I can't remember which character he played in the Planet of the Apes reboot films. Um, He was... Oh, Begins with remember. R. Rocket? No. That's I, a raccoon. <laughs> I don't know. It does sound like a name you'd give to a chimp as well. But he was also um, Kong in Skull Island. Oh, in the Skull Island, not the Peter so, Jackson one. So he is the monkey guy. Not Andy Serkis. <laughs> yeah, the other he, monkey guy. Andy Serkis is known for other stuff. Name he, name one other Terry Notary film. Uh, the Square. Where he's the monkey guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And fucking hell, isn't he terrifying in that? Yes. What a brilliant film, though. I'm not going to spoil that movie, but it's it's a good one. Yeah. Um, recommend that. And even if you... Even if, you, if you're not interested in a movie, just Google Terry Notary in the square and watch that scene. It's, it's fascinating. <laughs> Where do we want to start in terms of our thoughts and feelings and what we see on screen? Because again- Well, let's start at the beginning. Because I mean, the film opens with not one, but two consecutive tragedies. Mm. I mean, after a Bible quote. Yes. Okay. Uh, Nahum 3.6. Nahum? Nahum. The what, book of Nahum. Oh, it's a book. Yeah. Okay. Which was to do with- don't quote me on this because it's been a very long time since I read the Bible. Um, I've never read the Bible. I'm, I'm a little rusty. I started once, but it was boring. So I st- <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much more interesting. So after the first few pages, you're probably quite right to bail. Yeah, it's to do with the the sins of um, the city of Nineveh, which just kind of fell to ruin. There was lots of violence and false idolatry and se- illicit sex, and um, they were punished for said sins okay the passage or the snippet from the passages i will pelt you with filth and treat you with contempt i will make a spectacle of you interesting okay so people do get pelted with filth in this movie they do and And all manner of viscera yeah and also um the word spectacle is said about Mm -hmm. a thousand times i stopped counting at (laughs) 600 i think yeah so it's quite i mean when i said at the start that i didn't really understand this movie Mm -hmm. the first time i saw it I got the spectacle part, but what confused me was the gaudy stuff and right. the chimp and the Stephen Ewan character. Okay. And actually on rewatch, it's 
quite obvious you know, what <laughs> okay. those characters were there for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does reward a rewatch for sure because Stephen Ewan plays uh, Ricky, as we said, Ricky Jupe Park, and he's he was a a kid on a sitcom in the nineties, ninety seven, mm-hmm. ninety eight, or something. And there's a tragedy that happens on the set because of a balloon pops and the chimp, the chimp Gordy just goes nuts and starts hitting people and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's super, super violent. Re- kind of returns to his primal state. Yeah. And I guess that obviously feeds into the the idea of we're trying to shoot part of nature. We're plucking something out of its natural habitat. And we're trying to film it and explore it. In order it. to make a spectacle of it. In order to make a spectacle for, for of it. For our own selfish wants. Yeah, create content that we can we can consume. Yeah. So it fits into that kind of narrative part of the film. But also in, in the character stuff, because in that scene, Ricky is hiding under a table and he sees all these cast members that have been attacked. And it's terrifying. There's blood everywhere. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a shocking scene. Yeah, yeah. There's a part where the chimp clocks Ricky and mm-hmm. he goes in for a fist bump. <laughs> the, they, the world's first exploding fist bump on TV. That's right. Yeah, and he's got well, he's got that in his uh, his his secret cupboard as yeah. well <laughs> later on in the film. Yeah, and there's a part in the in that where we see a slipper standing up. Yeah, and that really confused. Like first time I was like, what? Like this? I don't know what this means. This is very confusing. But I think that point I've heard uh, Jordan Peele sort of describe it as. The point where that character disassociates, and that's its tr- his trauma point. Okay. So, from that point, he kind of feels like he's more of a he wasn't killed, so he must be special, and he's the only one that can converse with the beast that can tame them, so the, to speak, yeah. domesticate them. Yeah, and make a deal with it, or whatever you want to want want to call it. I do. I do know what the shoe means. The shoe, by the way. What did the shoe mean? Um, so, well, ultimately, it was a, a Ked, the, the brand Keds, and they do they would stand up. Apparently, I've mm. never owned any, never worn was them. Was it a ballerina shoe or something? No, no, no. Um, but also in reference to the phrase "waiting for the other shoe to drop." I, I, I've never heard that phrase. You've never heard that phrase? Oh, no. Wow. What does it mean? Um, waiting for the house of cards to fall. That's another one. Like, what does that mean? Oh no! <laughs> I'm just. I don't know. I can only explain in other idioms. <laughs> I I had just learned. I already knew I was terrible at memes. I don't <laughs> fucking know what memes mean a lot of the time. You're also bad at idioms. Um, yeah. What did you call me? <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Um, but yeah, just, just going back to what you were talking about with Gordy, I do kind of love, and I didn't clock until second viewing, that the film sort of starts or opens with and ends with a balloon being significant. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that either. It's so clever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then obviously after that initial tragedy, we are introduced to OJ. Right. And is that via the uh, the scene with him and his dad? Yes. So Keith David's still around at this point. Just, yeah. Yeah, he's he has that one scene kind of, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the alien drops a, a coin out of this, some sort of digestive issue. Well, it's it's basically all of the non-biological matter, I guess. The non-biological detritus Yeah. from what we, are, you know, later come to know are the remnants of people that it's eaten. Yeah. But obviously that explanation doesn't make sense in the world as we know it. So they say that everything fell from a plane because that's the only way they can make sense of it. Yeah. Well, I, if I heard that happen, I wouldn't. My first thought wouldn't be, "Is there a giant alien beast in the sky?" <laughs> I think that would be your first thought. <laughs> it probably That'd be your would first question. To... <laughs> yeah. And did anyone get a photo? Yeah. You're you're exactly who this film is for. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and he gets Keith David. He gets the the old coin through the eye, doesn't he? he? Does which is yeah. again very very interesting. It's a like he he I assume he would have been looking up at that point. Yeah. So he he looks up and he gets money shot in his eye. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense from a scientific perspective. It wouldn't happen. However, um visually very effective. Why couldn't it happen? Um I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but I did research a little bit and it it's not possible. Well, I would contest that um with the fact that nobody's ever tested running coins <laughs> through an alien reproductive system. Somebody call Mythbusters. <laughs> Quick. There's no way to test that. Who knows how its, how its digestive system works? Maybe it does shoot it out at a thousand miles an hour. 
Okay. I think the velocity is one of the things. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're not a science podcast, thank God. No. <laughs> That's not our field of expertise. No, but what I was getting at is it's fascinating that it's money because this is, mm-hmm. all, as you mentioned, it's all about spectacle and how we want things to be filmed so that we can consume them, whether that's an Attenborough documentary where we're mm-hmm. seeing animals killed and prey and hunter and all of that stuff. And a lot of the people that shoot it want to shoot it because they want money. And, and accolades. They, and accolades. And yeah. Not, it doesn't have to be money, but they want something from it. They want to exploit yeah. that thing, that beast or that part of nature in some way. When specifically Emerald does kind of make reference to wanting the perfect Oprah shot that they can make a fortune from. Yeah. Essentially. So, yeah, they are looking to the skies for their fortune. So it's quite ironic. Mm. Ironic, get it? I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I was sad he wasn't in it more. I really like Keith David. He's very good. He, he made an he made an impression in his very short time in this film. Yeah, yeah, and and also like earlier early on in the movie as well, you get the the sound stage. I think that's the next scene, basically. Oh, is it the next yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Blimey, let's not go scene by scene. But I picked that scene because I found that to be very telling on. Uh, the two main characters uh, and how they operate in this yeah. world because you've got and a very clear picture of their personalities yeah and how they interact with each other and the, the different ways they kind of rely on each other because yeah. otis has been brought up by his dad to look after these horses and up to that point you assume that his dad has managed the business which is mm-hmm. the business of giving horses to movies so that they can film them and they can be in films but and this also backed up by the fact that um when emerald's kind of giving the the speech the spiel when she finally turns up She's talking about their great, 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 great granddad, but she forgets a great. Okay. Otis, <laughs> Otis corrects her and said, you missed a great. Oh, really? Which makes it all the more obvious that she was just repeating the spiel that their dad would have said. That is fascinating. You, you know what? I thought I thought I'd pick that scene because it's telling on the characters, but it's even more detailed than I thought because yeah. I kind of feel like the Otis OJ character is, is kind of maybe on a neurodivergent scale. He's he, so relatable. Yeah. He, he just does not want to perform and he's socially inept. <laughs> he's he's Oz. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of doesn't want to make eye contact, mm-hmm. which feeds into the narrative. Fucking so clever this yeah. movie. Which feeds into the narrative of the movie. And he's he's pissed off because he needs to give a speech to these Hollywood people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's supposed to be his sister giving this speech. So he starts it and he, you can see that he doesn't really want to be there, doesn't want to mm-hmm. be in front of people, doesn't want to be the centre of attention. Yeah. So when M comes in and takes over, he's very pleased. Yeah, relieved. <laughs> yeah, but he's pissed at her as well. That whole scene is so multi-layered. Yeah. Because I think there's a, a point at which they're referred to as Hollywood royalty and the director that's on set is Osgood Perkins. Os Perkins, who's also a director in real life. He directed February, or the, also known as The Black Coat's Daughter, and Hansel and Gretel. Uh, or is it Gretel and Hansel? I can't remember. Which Hansel? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the not Jeremy that one. Jeremy Renner one. Definitely not that one. But he's the son of Anthony Perkins. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, great. So loads of layers, loads of layers going on. I love Jordan Peele's movies. Right? <laughs> They're so good. They're so clever and so detailed. And also the actress asks what the horse's name is and OJ responds with Lucky. And she says, oh, is he? And Lucky does, in fact, one of the few horses that survives. Survives the movie, yeah. My um, my first dog was called Lucky. Oh. He's not alive anymore. Well, I figured. <laughs> it's 30 years ago. But yeah, and I enjoy, I enjoy hearing the name Lucky for pets because it makes me think of him. He was a good boy. They're all good boys. Yeah. That's sweet. Um. Yeah, great scene. That's the first time we see Antler's host as well, yeah. Michael Wincott in that in that role. And he kind of disappears for a while after that. Yeah. I and mean, you don't see him until they discover the the beast in the sky and want to get him on board to try and film it in, in the third act of the movie. I think the other... Do you know who we, who we missed from the cast list? Oh, no. We missed someone, didn't we? And I've only just realised. Oh, Angel. Yeah, that's the one. It's Brandon Perea and he plays Angel Torres. Not Dave Franco. No, no. He, honestly, he looks and his mannerisms are so much like Dave Franco. It wigged me out. Yeah, it could have been a Franco. Like a, a, it could have been Franco ten years ago. I would say. You could yeah. Have put, put him in that role. Can it? we just give him all of the roles that would have gone to James Franco? I assume James Franco would have been in Twisters then, the sequel to Twister, because he's in that. He's going to be in that, which comes out next year. Oh, good. 
<laughs> I mentioned that a few times. You're not interested in that. My excitement is palpable. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I can't believe we forgot. He's great. Yeah. And I only thought about it because I was thinking, what else, what other scenes do we need to mention just, just to lay the groundwork? And I was going to say, he comes into it and, and kind of clues them into a lot of information about what they're seeing, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's... Because because OJ is, is he's the one that, he's there when his dad dies. Mm-hmm. He, he sees what happens to him. And then he starts to see some weird shit in the sky. Yeah. And he he know he, he thinks he knows, doesn't he? He's like, it's a UFO. Yeah. After seeing it the second time, I would say. At um, what point do they figure out it's coming from the stationary cloud? Oh, oh that is Angel, I think. Right. I think that's Angel because they set up the Because it's going through the footage. Right. Right. Yeah. But before that, I think there's that that weird Shyamalan esque fake out scene <laughs> yeah. in the in a stable where where he punches a child. <laughs> Very punches giant. Yeah, which was very funny. It made me laugh too much. But I mean, you mentioned the other day that, that you'd seen the criticism that someone had said that, was it us in reference to it us? It was in reference to us. Somebody had said uh, they didn't like the unintentional humour. Yeah. Jordan Peele's a comedian. Do you really think he doesn't know what he's doing? Which is, which is weird because he's so good at those moments. But there's a thread of comedy throughout all three of the films I've seen. Yeah. Get Out, Us, and Nope yeah. are all very funny in their own right. They are. And I would say this one out of his three is the, probably the, the closest to a summer blockbuster, I would say. And I think some For of, scale, more than anything, yeah. For scale, but also it's, it is homaging a few kind of alien yeah. and summer blockbuster type type fair, type movies. And the most successful, some are shit and some, some are great. <laughs> but I think the most successful ones, like Jaws, which comes up in this movie, yes. do have some really funny bits of dialogue in them and character scenes. And I think he's really, he's really well suited to that. So uh, mm. when we said earlier about I wonder what he's going to do next, I would like to see him do a blockbuster. Okay. He's got such an interesting brain. Like a disaster movie, a riff on disaster movies, yeah, maybe something like that, or um, or just a space movie, or like okay. a, give him a Guardians of the Galaxy reboot. That, that'd be <laughs> fun, I think. Okay. Do you know what we haven't talked about? Just to go back a scene when they're talking about, which I, I think is quite an important theme that's not touched on a huge amount, but I think is quite integral to the plot. And that's the um, the footage of the black jockey on the mm, horse. Yeah. I did a bit of digging. I don't know too much about Edward Maybridge, but he sounded like a lunatic. Okay. <laughs> Um, the two things he's most well known for are those images, the still images that he turned into moving footage. Um, not just the jockey, there was a bunch of other stuff. There was one with capybaras, I believe. But also he killed a dude. <laughs> On purpose. On purpose. Straight up whacked a dude. Okay. Um, yeah, he murdered somebody that he thought seduced his wife or his ex-wife mm. and had, um, he thought, fathered the child he thought was his. Right. But his, his plea... The, at the trial, at the murder trial, was insanity, and they let him off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So, got away with murder. Yeah, so the the biker, did you know that the biker in the movie that, that turns up in the third act, he, uh, I don't think he's named in the movie, but no. he's named in the credits as Ryder My, My, Ryder Mar, My, Mybridge? Maybridge. Did you say Maybridge? It's with a U, so I don't know. Well, they said Maybridge in the film. Did they? Yeah. When they're talking about Edward Maybridge at the start. Right. Okay. I missed that. Well, it's all right. One of us was paying attention. <laughs> I was too busy taking notes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the character on the bike was called Ryder Maybridge. 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 Fucking hell. <laughs> it's because it's got a U there now. My brain is seeing a U when I'm saying it. You know how Americans say buoy instead of boy? Do they? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Bowie? Yeah. You you might David get on Bowie. in there. No, like boy like the things that are at sea. Yeah, Buoyancy. Yeah. Not buoyancy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked again. One of um the few scenes where Ricky and OJ interact is when we find out that OJ is gonna has been selling horses to Ricky mm-hmm. at his ranch. Yeah, and he hasn't questioned where they're going, which is curious. Yeah, because he says to him, <laughs> oh, can we work out some kind of scheme where I can do a buyback at some point? And, and he's kind of like, mm, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. We, we can look into that, yeah, for sure. This isn't cash generator. <laughs> yeah, and obviously at that point, OJ's got no idea that he's he's feeding them to the beast. The beast. I'm going to call it the beast. Does it have a name? 
Is it, uh, does, you've listened to a bunch of stuff with Jordan Peele. Does he, has he given it a name at any point? Not that I recall. Okay. Maybe its name is Nope. Maybe it's an, a Nope. Yeah, let's call it the Nope. <laughs> okay. But yeah, he's been feeding the horses to the Nope. And that, that scene's cool because that's when Jupe starts. I keep saying, I keep going from Ricky to Jupe. Okay. I'm, from this point on, I'm just <laughs> going to say Jupe. So Jupe is describing what happened to him, right? When he was a kid. Yeah. And on that set, was it the sitcom thing, Gordy's... Gordy's there's House? There's a Gordy here. Yeah, Gordy's House. There's a Gordy here. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because when he's telling a story, he doesn't tell the story from his memory, which could be, even if it is from his memory, it could still be falsified or... Yeah, PTSD m- does strange things to you. Yeah, misremembered. And, and no memory is kind of 100% accurate. Mm-mm. But it's interesting the way he decides to tell the story is via an SNL sketch that <laughs> recreated that scene. Yeah. So that's that's interesting the way that he's choosing to remember that event. Rather yeah, and than, he's, he's adding a layer of disconnection. Yeah, he's you're exactly right. Um, he's adding a layer of disconnection and he's tying it in with, with the entertainment industry. It's not a direct memory. Yeah. He's he's remembering a copy of the original, mm-hmm. which is also interesting in, in in terms of how media is made. And there are no new ideas. There are just kind of combinations of existing ideas, various yeah. various kind of ideas smashed together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's when he, he says to Kiki Palmer's like, Oh, have you got a secret cupboard there? And he's like, yeah, I've got a secret <laughs> cupboard. Come and have a look. I usually charge for this, but you can have a look. And he's got all of this memorabilia mm-hmm. in there behind glass. And it's all protected. And it's his kind of his mind, right? That's kind of like yeah. what lives in his brain is all of that stuff that's hidden. Sectioned off. Behind behind this show yeah. that he's presenting to, to the world. And his character is not in it a, a bunch. He's in it. Stephen Ewan is in a couple of really important scenes Mm -hmm. and he pops up again when he's doing the show, right? Mm -hmm. Is that sort of leading into the third act of the movie? So interestingly, it's basically at the halfway point because when he says to the audience, in an hour's time, you'll see a spectacle or so. I can't remember the exact quote. It's probably spectacle. Paraphrase. But he does say like, in about an hour's time, you'll witness a spectacle. Um, and that is almost exactly an hour before the film ends. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, this <laughs> right? guy. How does he do it? <laughs> Must have a good editor as well. Yeah. And um, Jupe, when he's he's doing his presentation to the crowd, he's wearing a, a cowboy costume on it, which is, I don't, yeah. it didn't clock first time, but there's a UFO on the back mm-hmm. with the little, I'm going nope, um, to suck you, suck you off into the ship. The beam. The beam. Stop the saying beam. suck you off. Seriously. <laughs> I'm going to sound like that. People are going to question what kind of podcast this is. Yeah. But also in the crowd, he gives a shout out to um, Mary Jo, who was his co-star on It's Gordy Time. And he says it was his first crush. And she's wearing like a a hat with a... Like a veil. A netting. Yeah, that's it. Like a veil across it. So you can't see her face. So her face is distorted. And we we find out that she was horrifically attacked by this ape and ended up being deformed as a result. Did you clock that she was wearing a jumper with her headshot on it? I didn't. I didn't spot that. I Neither did I. I heard it on a podcast today. Someone mentioned it. Did you it, go back and check? No. Okay. <laughs> but, I, but I did check on Google. Okay. And Google confirmed, or someone on Reddit confirmed anyway. So I take that as fact. Fair enough. We can Google it and see if there's an image of it. If you <laughs> okay. Like. I believe it's the same actress as well, playing the younger version and the older version. Oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose you can get away with that if there's a veil. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So that character was kind of, there, there was a real life chimp attack, right? On a, on a film at some point, um, which that is loosely based on that. There that was one, the, so the, the really famous one um, wasn't on a film set. There was a woman in America who had a chimpanzee as a pet, hmm. a chimp called Travis. Right. And it, it made international news. It's a really, really famous case. Basically, it ripped half her friend's face off and mauled her really, really badly before being shot dead by police. Right. So really, really sad, sad for the woman, sad for the, the chimp, tragic case all around. Yeah. Um, I don't recall hearing of one on a film set. No, I think you're right. I think that's the one. I couldn't remember when you said Travis. Uh, first of all, I thought, oh, yeah, we did Fire in the Sky last week, Travis <laughs> Walton. So that's the link to the last right. episode. There we go. We <laughs> there can get go. that out of the way. Did it. But yeah, I think you're right. When researching for this show. I did Google real life chimp, Mary Jo character or some right. combination of those words. And I did see the words Travis. Okay. The chimp. 
Travis the Chimp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His surname is The Chimp. Yeah. So it's, it's again, he's he is taking... Uh, nuggets of truth. Nuggets of truth. Again, going back to the, the first moving picture mm-hmm. and that and adding all of these layers onto... Onto his fiction, which mm-hmm. is um, just a really interesting way of grounding a picture it's in smart. reality. It's smart as hell. It is because he does, he tells these ridiculous concept movies. But some of it is familiar. But some of it is familiar, but none of them, I would say out of the three, Get Out, Us and This, I would say Us feels the most like it doesn't really work because there's just, I'm not going to spoil that movie. <laughs> But there's just the things that happen in it. I'm kind of like, yeah, but this doesn't work, does Too it? Too uncanny for yeah. you. Yeah. And it's not to say I don't like it. I think it's a really great movie. It's yeah. a lot of fun to watch and it's just brilliantly made. But I think... There are too many holes know. in the, the logistics, maybe? Or? Maybe. And it's weird because all three of those movies are ridiculous. Yeah, in different ways. The, the central concepts are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Get Out and, and Nope, I just think have enough about them where I can look at it from a multiple different ways and it just kind of fits. I think this one more so than any of the others. Yeah. There are so many different themes here, not least of which obviously they going back to the start again, but we all know the name Edward Maybridge at this point, but he was a white dude. Mm. We don't know the name of the black jockey that was in the photos made famous. Yeah. So it's kind of like, black people being erased from their own spectacular points of history. Right. Like they've made these leaps and bounds. They've done phenomenal things and they're being erased from the stories, which I think is kind of interesting in the context of this film. Yes. Uh, And and, uh, like this one, this movie, I I would say doesn't, it's not hugely about race in a term, in the same term, obviously that Get Out is almost exclusively about Mm -hmm. race. And, uh, but in this one, it's just got that nugget of reality, as you said, the the black jockey on the horse. Apparently, I, I was reading earlier that a, a lot of jockeys around about that time were black. Yeah, I believe but so. It kind of affected. I don't know if this is true. It's just what I read in one article, but it kind of affected them badly because of racism, which is you know it probably is true. Mid eighteen hundreds or or whenever it was, mid to late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, a lot of jockeys were black, but as it became more and more exclusive they began to be phased out and taken over by white jockeys. And it's interesting because in this movie, the guy on the bike who is called Maybridge Mm -hmm. is obviously a reference to that director. Yeah. We don't see his face. I would assume he's a white guy. I really enjoyed that his um, helmet was completely mirrored. Yeah. Almost like, and he's the TMZ guy, which is like bottom of the barrel media. Yeah. So it's kind of like reflecting our grotesqueness back at ourselves going, this is what you want. Yeah. This is the sort of shit you consume. You have to face it. You have, you've got to face yourself in this. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about how this movie looks? Which is, we did touch on it earlier. Uh, yeah. I think we need to give it a bit more time because it, they did invent a technique for this, or Hoyter van Hoytema did. Right. He says that he, he thought about it actually before this movie was conceived. Okay. And he decided that he would try this idea that he had on this on this film. Okay, interesting. I, I want to hear more about this because if you remember when we were watching this, there were so many scenes set at like dusk mm. and I it's usually glaringly obvious when somebody's filmed day for night. And I think I asked you at the time, like, can you tell, do you know how this was filmed? Yeah. So go on, hit me with some stuff. Well, I assumed it was day for night because we could see shit. So yeah. I didn't, I know <laughs> if they shot at night, we just wouldn't be able to see shit. But so what he did is... Um, he basically invented this bit of kit where there is a, an infrared camera and a 35mm camera, both recording the same thing. And he managed to overlay the image. So the infrared image was like a monochromatic thing. Okay. So you could see everything that was in the frame and you didn't need to light up the background. You didn't mm-hmm. need to light the mountains. Obviously, you wanted to see all of that. So a lot of it is, is done from distance and length. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he, he had an infrared image and, and a regular image and just managed to overlay them and combine them. And that gave him the the kind of day for night. And a lot of the sky, actually all of the sky, I believe, was CGI as well. Yes, I heard that too. So it's it, it's, it's it's a really interesting mixture of a, a practical solution, but it, it feeds into the way that you view it as well. And yeah. I think I think that's that's that that's a technique that I imagine is going to be used 
well, from this point forward, I, I would say, because this is probably the best looking movie I've ever seen shot at night. Yeah, agreed. You can actually agreed. see stuff happening. Like, yeah. <laughs> how many times do you watch a movie in the last two decades where you just can't see anything at night unless it's in a city where there's just lots of uh, ambient light going on everywhere? You can't you can't shoot at night. No. And, and, and if you do, it's, it's a small scene. Particularly being a horror fan, that is a massive point of contention for me at least because there are so many films where... The director just thinks dark is scary. Yeah. The darker, the more scary it'll be. Yeah. No, you've got to be able to see something. Yeah. And, and that, it just makes for a frustrating experience otherwise. Yeah. It's like everything. Like the darkness is a tool that can be used. Like in Don't Breathe, call back to, yeah. to season two. Like you can you can have some moments of darkness where you kind of add intention. The characters don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming. Yeah. But especially when, especially what you know, production designers that must just design a great set, a great looking <laughs> yeah. set. And what what was it we watched? Um, I want to say maybe Army of the Dead. Yeah, I think it was. Where they, and everything was just out of focus in the background. Yeah, and in a similar way, if if they create a set and it's dark and you can't see it, it's like man, I if I was a production designer and I'd <laughs> be done all that hard work, I would be gutted. Yeah. yeah. So before we start talking about the third act, which is probably where we want to focus the rest of our time i'm guessing yeah talk to me a bit about the name whose Be- name the movie name oh right okay because <laughs> nope is well i remember before this film came out jordan peele posted a teaser on his instagram right yeah yeah and it got shared far and wide uh, especially amongst movie fans mm. and there was a lot of conjecture at the time about people thinking it was an acronym for not of planet earth mm. and that perhaps too much had been given away by that but i did read somewhere that jordan peele had kind of rubbished that idea mm. that that wasn't the case but i did find a passage where it says um he says the title speaks to the idea of the audience reacting to what they're thinking and feeling in the theater when you tell people it's a scary movie a lot of the time they say nope so peele wanted to acknowledge those people with the title and bring them in this is about the person who thinks they don't love the horror movie to show them that maybe they do mm, okay but you told me that that's not accurate oh, either. So I, I, I listened to um, Smartless with, with Will Arnett and Bateman and Sean Hayes. Your new favourite. My new favourite. <laughs> love that show. But uh, Jordan Peele was on that. I think it was around about the time Nope was coming out. Okay. Um, and Will Arnett, maybe he'd read the internet or whatever, and he was like, oh, does it stand for Not of Planet Earth? And Jordan Peele said yes. Right. Okay. But, but maybe it's possible that after that, or maybe that was after what you the information that you'd found. I can't remember the dates, but maybe he did try to misdirect steer, misdirect people away from that, so they didn't automatically have expectations and yeah. you know spoilers. And a lot of movies are just better when you don't know anything. I think, and I think he knows that. But uh, yeah, and but he has since as well come out again and said no, yeah, that's that it, that was intentional. Not a planet Earth was definitely an acronym he was right. playing on. And okay. all of the other reasons for it as well. Like like everything in this movie and all of his films, a lot of things have dual meanings. Yeah, that would that would make the most sense to me that it was kind of twofold. Yeah. Um because obviously it's a word that we hear the characters say, particularly OJ. Yeah. They say nope repeatedly. Yeah. And I kind of love that that plays into the notion that I guess Jordan Peele is at the moment a horror director. That's what we know him for. Mm. Whether or not he branches out, that's that's yet to be seen. But within the horror genre, obviously it's it's become a bit of a a joke these days that the black character is always the first to be killed. Right. Whereas with his films, they're populated by black characters and much like the tagline for the blackening, um you can't kill us all first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or we can't all die first, something like that. Yeah. And I think Something that I really enjoy about his films is that he's turned that shitty trope on its head and populates his films with black characters that make pretty good decisions for the most part. Mm. They're smarter. They They, survive. They punch children. They punch children, yeah, on occasion. (laughs) Um, But I I don't know. I really enjoy that. Mm. Because there are so many moments where OJ's just like, nope. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, in any other film handled by a lesser director they'd have been like oh let's go and see this yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong he does say nope right up until the point where he says yes and he decides that he wants to shoot this thing what do you think it is that kind of informs that turnaround money i guess that doesn't seem to be his focus though i mean he's oh, selling he's... the horses off to dupe just to make ends meet obviously business isn't great he needs money he needs he does but he wasn't sold 
when Emerald started going on about, let's film this, the nope, <laughs> if we're going to continue calling it that, yeah. um, and get famous and rich, he's, I don't know, he pulls back a bit. He's, he seems very reluctant. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't think it's just about the money for him. The Antler's host character, mm-hmm. he's back in, in this in this third act. And he, I think when we're talking about OJ's motivations, I think Hulse's motivations are very clear. Yeah, his make far more sense. Even, especially with reference to like the magic hour. Yeah. Even though he's a bit cryptic in, in what he says, and that's actually commented on by Angel. He says, oh, he said something cryptic and he's fucked off. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, at that point, they just got the shot that they were looking for, for this, for this, uh, for this alien. And um, he says, no, as you, if, as you just mentioned, that he wants to get another one at magic hour. But I think you see earlier as well, he's, he's, he's taking a pill. So he must have some sort of health issue. To, mm-hmm. That's what the film's saying, right? So I yeah. think he's saying, like, look, I'm going to die here, but I'm going to get the greatest shot of all time in history <laughs> and I'm going to die. Maybe I'm, I'm probably going to die. Maybe I'm going to die, but I'll, I'll never be forgotten. Because he does seem quite tired of that character. He's, he's yeah. quite kind of, he says to Kiki Palmer when they're having that conversation on the phone, I know you just chase fame. It's it's not going to lead you anywhere. You're not going to be happy. It's not going to make you happy and all of that stuff. Yeah. He's tired and he's, he's been for it all. And I think that he's just really happy to sacrifice himself to get this shot of a beast. And he does seem to be really obsessed with animals as well. He's always watching footage of different kind of animals attacking each other. But yeah, no, when you mentioned, when you asked me about what OJ's motivations were for, mm-hmm. for, for his actions in a movie, I thought about his and they were very obvious, but OJ's, I'm, I'm not so so certain. Murkier. I'm a little bit, I don't quite understand why he went from being a bit reluctant to being quite happy to sacrifice himself. And in the absence of having a clear answer, I think I would just say, it's money. It's, <laughs> it's money, baby. Or maybe he realises that Emerald is the only family he's got left and knows she's invested and doesn't want to leave her to it because she's effectively in peril at the end. Yeah, possibly. When shit hits the fan and people get sucked up into the nope. When it gets sucked off into the nope. And then then deposited on the house, which is probably my favourite visual moment. Which, when they get ingested. Um, Well, not necessarily that bit. Because I like that bit. After that, when the blood rains down on the house. When they get exited. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. When they get blown out, blown off. <laughs> when they get blown off the house, yeah. <laughs> I really liked the seeing just the, the humans in that small space and you just you work out, this is some kind of intestine, right? Oh, God. It just, it made me oh. think of the Borderlands. Yeah. Ugh. Right? Oh, spoiler for that movie. <laughs> Shit, sorry. Oh, we mean the Tim Roth um, computer <laughs> Eli game Eli Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. <laughs> yeah. Tim Roth. Tim Roth is the, the guy. Oh, the, yeah. The reservoir dog. Um, yeah, the, the, that scene when all the humans are sucked off into the intestine and they're just in there is so claustrophobic and terrifying. I think maybe one of, there's so many images in this film that I, I think of. Now, whenever you say note to me, there's a f- good four or five that will just stick with me. Because it's so stunning. Yeah, right? And one of them, I think, is the, the scene that you were alluding to is where it's raining blood on the house. And you just see the blood, the car, the house just covered in, in blood where mm-hmm. the aliens eating these humans and it's now getting rid of all of the unnecessary stuff that it doesn't need in its body anymore. Detritus. Yeah, that's a word that I don't know the meaning of. <laughs> Does that mean when you can use both hands to do shit? <laughs> Ambidetritus. <laughs> yeah. No, it does not. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that. That image I think is going to be an iconic image. Yeah. The blood over the house. Also I think- the sky dancers. That's what I think of. What's that? Um, the the windy, blowy, colourful. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't know what, I don't know how to describe them. Yeah, that are always outside car salesmen. Uh, what are they called? Car washes. Yeah, the the the, the windy the windy the windy men long boys. Yeah, <laughs> the windy long men. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, um, but they're female. If you watch Broad City, right? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so they settle them up in the in the field to to let them know where it is, right? Because it, it, well, when yeah. the beast is is flying around, because it, it knocks it, out all the power. Yeah, so that's an easy way of knowing exactly where it is. Yeah, um, in relation to them, how how close it's getting. Which is a re- it's it's a really good visual aid for but, for the audience and for them, but also like makes logical sense. Like yeah. it's a really neat idea. Yeah, 
but also it has the bonus of looking really good. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I would say the last, I've got a feeling that I, I'm going to watch the last hour of this movie quite a lot. I don't I, know how you do that. I, what do you, why? How? Why? I can't watch chunks of films like you do. It's all or nothing. I, do you remember the other day when I was like, oh, let's put, um, oh, what was it? What was it we were going to watch? I was going to put on Alien Resurrection, wasn't I? Mm. And you're like, no, we've got to watch Alien 3 first. Yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> got to do it in order. No. And then I said, I asked you a question. I said, well, if you wanted to watch um, Freddy Krueger 3, would you have to watch Freddy Krueger 1? And you're like, yes. <laughs> and then watch them all in order. Yeah. No, just watch a movie. No. <laughs> um, I can't remember what my point was now. Yeah, no, the last hour of this movie, I, I think there's so much, a lot of the first hour, what the first hour is set up comes to fruition in that movie. The characters, Angel, Holst, M and OJ all come together, but then also the score really ramps up then as well. Yeah. And it's a really big score. The score is Huge kind of orchestral blockbustery. Piece. Yeah, it is. I thought that while we were watching. It's very, um, oh, who's the Jaws guy? <laughs> come on Williams um, yeah um, John Williams John yeah. Williams I can't believe I'm blanking on fucking John Williams that's insane between us we got there yeah but it felt very John Williams-y to yeah. me yeah uh, I can see that it, quite 80s yeah but just big mm-hmm. uh, big and you don't get those sorts of uh, scores very often and no the score was by Michael Abels who did all of all three of uh, Peel's movies Oh, um, okay. and they all sound great. I love in, in Get Out that first track that that's that's over the credits, the intro credits. Yeah, I think is incredible, and the stuff in Get in Us, which we rewatched recently with um, I got fire the, the orchestral version of that Lunis track. It's oh, insane. Wow, and just the, the 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 all of the instrumental music in that movie is just very atmospheric and creepy, mm-hmm. and it's really done well. But then this one is good it's i mean it's it's great but it's completely different to to all of that stuff so Mm -hmm. it's like as much as i fucking love Hans zimmer and i love his work they are all quite similar yeah (laughs) they're all quite similar they're they're quite similar yeah very good (laughs) but his ones have been very um different in each piece i think and uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what he gets up to as well but yeah and that's that's a re- that's a, a, an essential piece of the, the third act of this movie, I think, because it is very much a, a race against time to get this shot mm-hmm. while they can, while they're all still breathing. And um, yeah, and then that's when that TMZ guy comes in on the bike, which we mentioned earlier, and he's on an electric bike, <laughs> yeah, which doesn't doesn't fare well for him. <laughs> Um, there's but again, that, there's more of that famous Jordan Peele unintentional humour. Yeah, but, uh, right. <laughs> we we laughed at this moment in the film because there's that really long shot when uh, <laughs> I can't remember which character says it, but they say, "I think he's about to find out what happens." Yeah. When he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's shut off on his bike, and he just goes, "Oh," <laughs> and he goes forward on his bike. Which, if we're talking about things that wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. Well, no, because the bike would just slow, it would just cut off and slow down. It wouldn't stop. Well, you do, you don't know how the nope works. It's true. Again, we haven't carried out this experiment. Exactly. I, and I think I want one of those electric bikes. Oh God. Yeah, that looks quite is it, cool. Is to it, me. Was it the jacket? Is it just the jacket that you want? I like a biker jacket. You do. I like a shiny helmet. <laughs> and a biker jacket. Can <laughs> <laughs> <Are> we uh, <laughs> skip to the end? <laughs> yeah. But I just, I really love how the characters all come together. I think, I think where I'm going to put this on from the point at which I'm going to watch this over and over again is the point where Antlers Holst comes back and he goes, all right, you've got an alien, and yeah, I'm coming <laughs> to shoot it. Cause he wasn't really interested when, when M phoned him earlier. No. He was happy to entertain them and, and speak to them and give them a bit of advice about not chasing fame, mm-hmm. but he's not really interested. Um, in fact, he's got a, a lemon, lemon pie in the oven to feed one of his best friends. <laughs> And um, but when he comes back, it is I did find that very rewarding. Like, yeah, you know, you you're back and you want to get this shot, and that's when they all start working together and have a meal together, and that's when he does that that poem thing. It was he, a song. It was lyrics from a song, "Purple People Eater." Purple People Eater. Yeah. Oh, is that not a reference? Okay. I yeah, I don't know what um what that is. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's a it's a song. It's a song. Okay. Um, but it. 
works brilliantly within that context. Yeah. And also, it was just a cool moment. He's just the way he delivered it was yeah. very cool. I didn't know what it meant, and I didn't know you that don't it need was a song. To. I just thought, well, Michael Wincott, yeah, you need to do a lot you of need to animation. Recite audio books. Yeah, <laughs> do a podcast. Oh, he's yeah. probably got one. Everyone's got one. Everyone does. Yeah. And then um, M sort of gets on that on that electric bike, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. And um, tries to escape when. Well, she's not trying to. Is she no. trying to escape? Because right up until the last moments, she's still trying to get that shot. She's not trying to escape. You're right. OJ is trying to be the bait yeah. to, to attract this um, this creature. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it is it at that point where the, the alien just changes shape and turns into this like sail yeah. cloth monster. I thing. I know that. Some of the inspiration for the look of that came from sea creatures, which is unsurprising. But also, like the mouth of it, I don't, I don't know, or the eye. Yeah, just looks like an old timey camera. Yeah, it's, it's. I, I think it's, I think it's its eye. Did yeah, it? Did that it would eat, make more sense. Did it eat people with this square then? Or, or? I don't know which hole they went in. <laughs> <laughs> don't soundbite that one either. <laughs> um, as long as it's a shiny helmet. <laughs> Um, I, I took that as its eye, but it, I mean, yeah. it could be its mouth or it could be both. Um, Who knows? No, Jordan Pill, it probably is many things. But <laughs> I, I like that because it looks like a camera for, for a star. It looks like an oldie timey camera with mm-hmm. the, the square casing and stuff. And it's just, it makes itself huge. And it's obviously trying to intimidate the people around it where, you know, he wants Daniel Kaluuya, stop fucking around, man. Like you're mm-hmm. pissing me off now and I'm going to try and scare <laughs> you a bit. So you fucking leave me alone or, or give me some more food. Or, you know, because animals do that for one of two reasons. Yeah. They make themselves big and showy. Yeah. Um, it's either to scare somebody or to seduce them. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a different angle. Yeah. If we're talking nature documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it did like that shiny helmet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it, it works for me, it, it being an eye. Yeah. It looking like a camera. It, it makes more sense within the frame of the story. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It, the, the way... The design of the creature and its functions were heavily based around. Apparently, went to a like a marine biologist and was like, "Look, I want to do this, this, and this, and what things are feasible." It looked so cool. Yeah, it was really unexpected as well because obviously you go the entire film going, well, "Yeah, it's a flying saucer. We've seen this loads." Yeah, and then by the end, of course, he's done something completely new and never seen before. Yeah, and and the the, the saucer is is a living creature not of planet earth we're, we're led yeah to which but again is just so interesting yeah and the way it looks is really interesting as well yeah i think my problem was when i first watched this movie is that there was so much stuff thrown at me that i just <laughs> yeah. didn't really know what to think i quite liked it i was like this is quite good but on rewatch like no this is a fucking masterpiece it's difficult to take everything in as well because yeah. there is so much going on yeah but as you as you said earlier, OJ's on the horse. He's got the Scorpion King costume on, which has got the the goggle eyes on the back of the hoodie. The blinkers, yeah. Remember they and the were horse popular the in two thousand and three. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then M goes off on the bike, and she goes back into Jupe's uh, theme park. Jupe's claim. Yeah, uh, some sort of theme park. It's like a thing. shitty theme park. Yeah, I I would pay money not to go there. <laughs> yeah, like Sea World, but for horses. Yeah, I wouldn't go to Sea World either. No, fuck those people. Yeah. Cunts. <laughs> Not the fish. No. We want them Let back the in the wild. Let the fish out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, yeah. Free willy. F- do free willy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not in a shiny helmet way. <laughs> no, that'll get you arrested. <laughs> <laughs> she she has it on the bike back into that uh, area. And uh, we, we, we're reintroduced to Chekhov's Wishing Well, where there's, there's the, the Winking lights, Well. The Winking Well. Is it called the Winking Well? The Winking Well. Oh, one vowel out. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, she's putting quarters in this thing to, to try and get that shot. Mm-hmm. And um, she releases that balloon and the balloon is ingested by the beast and it explodes. <laughs> yeah. Which is your jaws ending. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that comparison a lot. A lot of people have called um, Antlers Holst the Quint character, effectively. That works. Yeah, right? I buy that. Yeah, that works for me. It's, it's definitely, it's def- I, it's yeah, I mean, it explodes when it's ingested a thing. <laughs> the only difference is, is it, was it, uh, he eats a barrel or something and Shida shoots it, shoots the barrel and he blows it up. I believe so. That's yeah. the first one, isn't it? It's been a while. Yeah. 
But yeah, that I, that, that's kind of what I mean when I say Jordan Peele's films, or the, well, this specifically, have so much of the familiar and so much of the uncanny. Like he he utilizes what we know really well and puts his own spin on them mm. to pretty unsettling but unique effect. Yeah. And it's it's super rewarding as a film lover as well. Mm. It's I think for, for me, the best movies work as a piece of entertainment, but also you can kind of pick them apart and study them. Yeah, conversation starters. Conversation starters, Easter eggs for, for people that know about film and cinema and where things come from and inspirations and homages and all of that stuff. And he does that, I think. Mm. And maybe this is the best example of, of that, I think, because it's it's kind of it's a popcorn summertime, this movie. On the face of it, yeah. But there's so much more going on. Yeah. And it's just the, that perfect combination of those things. And like, for me, those are the most rewatchable films and those are the most successful films. Because ultimately, film and cinema is about entertainment. That's how I, That's why I started watching films when I was a kid, because they entertained me. You were there for the spectacle. Yeah, I was there for the spectacle. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't until I got older that I started appreciating more about it. But that's the thing that attracted me, is just yeah. a, a entertainment, distraction, consuming the content. Escapism. Just Escapism. going into another world for an hour and a half. Yeah. And he's he's great at, he's great at yeah. setting up these worlds. And I know he's writing something at the moment, but what that is is kind of a bit secret at, at the moment. I did I think I heard that maybe a release date or a rough aim for release was about Christmas 2024. Fingers crossed. Which I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. That's a With year the away. With strikes and stuff. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably going to get delayed, which fucking sucks because this this movie i I imagine was was delayed by the um the thing that happened a few years ago yeah i mean it was a it was a big thing that kind of informed the film itself Mm. because he wanted to create something that was a spectacle that would encourage people back into theaters right that makes a lot of sense and also the it it primarily takes place outside whereas (laughs) during that period we were inside quite a lot (laughs) Yeah, wow, what a movie, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, when I first watched this, for me, I was like, really good, really enjoyed it. But for me, it goes, get out, us, nope. Yeah, I, first... I would have agreed with you before a yeah, couple days ago. We, we shared that opinion. Yeah. And now having rewatched it last night and thought about it a lot mm-hmm. over the last couple of days, I think quite easily, it's still get out for me is still number one. Yeah. I think because I've just seen it a bunch of times and I can re- put it on any time you say to me, Dan, let's watch Get Out. I'm happy to watch it whenever. And then it's Nope, but a very close second. And then Us. Yeah, I'm in agreement. But I think they're all excellent, excellent films. I think Nope, it might be the better film. Might be the best film, objectively. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. That's not to take anything away from Get Out. No, but- I, I mean, it's, well, I don't know. Look, we're not here to get into that. <laughs> no, like ranking stuff is a bit of a trap sometimes comparing this to that, but just in the context of his three movies. But it's not as if Get Out was like a rough around the edges first go. No, like he was It was hitting, insane. He was hitting it out of the park from minute one. Yeah, and he had a, a lot of time to refine that as well. I, well, I assume, I don't know, but if it was his first film, you would imagine that he had that idea for a while and he's been writing it and rewriting it and doing different versions of it and obviously when filmmakers filmmakers become successful they have to churn them out a bit quicker they have to churn them out because people are the money people are saying you know when are you going to get this thing to me which is which blows my mind just how detailed nope is Mm. and how much world building there is and how things have dual meaning i mean there's so much that we haven't even touched on as well yeah like Angel's, um, I think it's the number plate or the car ID has um, ends in 1111, which is a callback to the Jeremiah verse oh, that is referenced in Oz. Yeah. OJ wears orange, orange juice. Yeah. OJ. Emerald wears green a lot of the time. Yeah. Just silly things like that. And the motion that they do, like that I see you kind of with the two fingers. It's all about the visual, like everything yeah. kind of ties back. Yeah. He's created a really real feeling world mm. with characters that feel fully fleshed out. And obviously a large part of that is the actors that he chose to play the parts. But I don't know, he get, he gets a fucking great performance out of people. Yeah. I can't wait to see what he does next. Sorry, this has been so sycophantic. I know. like People like know, it when we disagree more, but I mean, this is just... I don't know. I, I'm sitting there trying to... I do like to be balanced if I can. I do have fun ragging on movies sometimes, yeah. I must admit. But 
there's not really anything that I would change or I didn't like in this movie. As I said, the first time I watched it, I didn't get the gaudy stuff. So if you'd have asked me after the first time I watched it, I would have said, cut that stuff out. It's a bit too long. Mm -hmm. But I think the rewatch and realizing how that his um, dupes character and his experiences back then in the 90s inform what he's doing present day. And in actual fact, probably the instigator of the whole thing. Where he's like, yeah. the, the beast is here, but he's feeding the beast. Yeah, he's uh, he knows about it before anyone in this movie, mm-hmm. as we find out. So it is more important that his his character is given more backstory. And actually, for me on rewatch as well, it it flew a lot quicker. The movie I f- I feel ran quicker wh- because I knew where it was going. It's a brisk two hours. I think I could just sit in it more and just in- enjoy it. Yeah. Rather, the first time I watched it, it was like, ah, oh, John Pill, John Pill, <laughs> come on, this is gonna be a movie. And then yes, and that bit, yes, I like that. Yes, I like that. Oh, this. Okay, what time is it? I need the chimps to, back. <laughs> yeah, chimps back. And then I, I don't know, it just took the pressure off a little bit, I think. And I was yeah. able to just go, yeah, do you know what? This is a fucking masterpiece. I love it. Great movie. Yeah. And apparently the body count was 43 humans, 12 horses, and one chimpanzee. Oh, should be more humans, less chimpanzees, and less horses. Fewer. Yes, fewer. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that, I mean, that takes us to the end of our season on alien movies it has to i could sit here for another hour or two talking about nope but we have to end it somewhere yeah um you were saying to me that you were kind of sick of watching alien films i am i'm done yeah i'm done i'm so over it (laughs) we've watched way more on theme films these last two months than we have for the first two seasons yeah well we watched alien resurrection and that was a slog (laughs) i prefer watching alien 3 to alien resurrection Mm, yeah, yeah yeah i agree but we're, yeah. but we're actually not quite done with with aliens yet are we because we've got to record our rap show we do yes which will be out next week on our patreon by the time you're listening to this but mm-hmm. yeah at the end of the season we do a rap show talk about the films we covered some films that we didn't some films that we wanted to be in a season and some that we watched peripherally to help us understand the kind of the genre and yeah what we were watching in the, and just in the, to be able to make good comparisons yeah yeah so look out for that on our patreon but we'll be back december the 18th yeah yeah for do you want to announce the theme that we're doing next uh, are you well is this because it, i chose it and you want no part of it <laughs> <laughs> well i'm just going to be difficult to have no part of it because i've got to watch them <laughs> and record podcasts with you about them Season four's theme will be folklore. Folklore. Mm-hmm. Yes. So think fairy tales, old wives' tales, myths, legends, what have you. Yeah. Okay. So that starts on December the 18th. Yep. Super excited to get going on our fourth season, mm. would you believe? It's gone so fast. It has. Um, and we'll be running through Christmas. Yeah. There won't be a break. We've Mm-mm. got one coming out on the 18th of December. We've got one coming out on the 25th of December. Happy Christmas. Which is Christmas Day. So yeah, if you've got nothing else to listen to on Christmas Day, everyone's having a break. We're fucking not. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to listen to it. You can sit around a dinner table with Nan, uh, who's farting from too much turkey. <laughs> too many sprouts, more like. Yeah. In between disappointing turkey and stuffing leftover sandwiches, yeah. listen to us. Yeah. So um, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can stay up to date with us on Twitter, Instagram or TikTok at sth underscore pod or support us on Patreon. Everything will be linked in the description.